0: if being honest guys you don't want me doing an ad read about having a smooth ball bag having food delivered to your house or building a website online but what you do want is more content which can be found at the Murder Me Monday podcast Patreon in the link below you can access a week early exclusive content and a shout out if you care about that kind of thing because I don't want to do ad reads I don't want to do this it would be horrific now hopefully that's made Mother happy promoting the Patreon and hopefully you enjoy the show we'll see you around much love peace
1: 1987 was a turbulent year for the united kingdom a storm hit the uk in october and its impending arrival was dismissed live on the news by the weatherman that storm killed 16 people and caused more than 1 billion pounds worth of damage in november 31 people died after a fire at the king's cross tube station in london one of the victims has never been identified this week's case, along with the Dunblane Massacre in Scotland in 1996, resulted in changes to gun laws in the UK. This is the case of the Hungerford Massacre, and this is Murder Me on Monday.
0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Murder Me on Monday podcast. I'm Cameron, and joined with me, it's Mother.
1: Hello. Go on then, talk to me you got to say something.
0: No, I, I mean, if you're honest, being honest, I pointed towards you so you could take it off. I don't, have, I don't necessarily have anything to say.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: Apart from I'm hot. <laughs> it's been hot in the UK and I ain't built for this.
1: 1987, it was a really bad year for sure. There was also these... You
0: just said you got married in 1987.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that was also the Zeebrugge incident on the 6th of March where 190 people lost their lives when a ferry called the Herald of Free Enterprise, sailing from Zeebrugge in Belgium, left port in calm seas, but with its loading bay's doors opened and it sank. No one was ever prosecuted for it as they couldn't actually determine who was legally in charge when it happened. It was all rather odd, really. And whilst it's global, it's well known, Black Monday happened. That was the stock market crash on October the 19th, 1987. But let me take you to Hungerford, a small market town in Wiltshire, with a population of roughly 6,000 people and about 60 miles west of London. On the 18th of May 1960, Michael Robert Ryan was born in hospital in Marlborough, which is about 10 miles away from Hungerford. His father, Alfred, was aged 50, and his mother, Dorothy, was 34. He was an only child, and they lived together in a nice, ordinary house in Hungerford. His father has been described as a local government building inspector, but what he actually was was a clerk of works. Basically, they work for the client on building sites and report back on everything going on to make sure it's all up to standard. They are influential, but they are also removed from general workers. I thought the role had long died out, but apparently not. It maybe also explains a little bit about how his his and his father's relationship was. Alfred was born in 1905, so Victorian era. Clark of Works, they're separate in his work. He would not make friends with colleagues. They can't really, as it's seen as favouritism. And he was described as aloof with his son and frequently physically abusive to his wife, Dorothy. That all sounds very familiar. He died in May 1985 at the age of 80 when Michael was 25. Dorothy was a school dinner lady at the Hungerford Primary School before becoming a part time waitress at a hotel where she worked for 12 years. At age 11, he moved from the local primary school opposite his home to secondary school, where he was an underachiever and would often play truant. He was friendless almost, certainly no one close, and it said his mother would spoil him with toys, mainly action men figures, buying him every one as they came out. And I'm not sure that spoiling him and doubt she would have been able to been do much with a father like his, as I suspect every penny was accounted for in that household.
0: Wouldn't that make it spoiling him then?
1: Uh, yes, it would and no, it wouldn't because
0: I used to do that for you. But you weren't also brought up in in the same environment for it to be if every penny is account, accounted for. Getting him the action man would have been quite a big luxury considering she, had, she, she was, wouldn't have had something similar herself.
1: She was unusual in that she had her own job. Um, my father was very, very much like this chap. He had the same occupation. That's why I, I knew what what went on with it. And, yeah, every single penny was accounted for, but I bet she spent her own money on buying him these toys. And she also bought him his first gun, an air rifle, when he was 13.
0: I'm surprised he would have even let her have a job.
1: Yeah.
0: I know back in the day, they'd be like, oh, a woman working, that's masculine, you must be pretty gay, would have been their response to...
1: My mother had to have, um, it was called dinner, on the table at 12.30, spot on for him to come in and eat that. He used to come home every lunchtime. And tea, which we would now call dinner, had to be served at 5.30 every evening on the dot or else.
0: But as I'm saying, I'm surprised yeah. he would have let her have a job.
1: But she was a lot younger than him, so she may have been a little bit more feisty.
0: Yeah, possibly. She's not grown up quite in the She's that like 20 years younger, isn't she? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So short for his age, Michael was often teased and bullied at school but he never retaliated openly and consequently avoided other children. It's said he did retaliate covertly, but no one could ever prove it was him. Sheds with children in them being shot at with air gun pellets, etc. At age 16, he left secondary school to attend a technical college as a build to learn to become a building contractor. Now, that phrase could mean anything from a bricklayer or becoming something more technical like his father. I don't know, but although apparently he tried hard, it soon became apparent that Michael just didn't have what it took and he soon dropped out of college. All the reports say he found a job as a caretaker at a girls school. Now, I doubt that. What, 17 years old? I've also seen him being described as a gardener or a labourer as well. So that could be possible. He continued to live with his parents. His doting and indulgent mother would pay for anything he could not afford, including cars, petrol and insurance. When Michael was old enough in 1978 at the age of 18, he got a shotgun licence. He purchased a shotgun and began to collect other weapons, which he put in a glass cabinet in his bedroom. He joined a local gun club and was considered to be a very good shot. Michael had probably always done stuff like this, which is why he didn't have friends at school, as other children would soon call him out on it. But as an adult, he told people he had served in the 2nd Parachute Regiment of the British Armed Forces and that he was getting married. No evidence he'd ever had a girlfriend and that he owned a gun shop. He would become extremely angry if people did not believe him and his mother would often confirm these lies to people. It said in an effort to help her son feel better. I suspect it was embarrassment she just felt that she had to back him up. Michael bought army jackets, survival gear and masks. He subscribed to magazines on survival skills and guns including Soldiers of Fortune and was a fan of films such as Rambo First Blood. Well, I don't see the home in
0: that one. Almost as if he's identifying primarily with his commodity consumption, isn't he? Yes. That's, that Being a gun nut is no different than being a Marvel nut or a collecting pop vinyls or being a car freak. There's no difference. It's, it's just a commodity. It's something you spend your money on that you identify yourself as.
1: I would disagree with that. I would suggest personally that he's certainly for an English person with... Or a British person, it's a bit
0: more extreme for, for someone from the UK to be obsessed with it because it's not part of our culture quite the same. Yeah. But it's fundamentally a commodity consumption. It's something that you buy an item, so different than fishing. You know, people that are obsessed with fishing.
1: Yeah, but I personally see this as a uh, indicator to him, of his masculinity.
0: People associate that with everything that I said there. I mean, apart from the pop vinyl and the Marvel stuff, but cars, fishing, being a geezer. bird, Yeah, tits, football, beer. It's that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he's... It's he's, he's almost like he's being... Um, so he's like an est- extremist or being like radicalised yes. with stuff. Even, yes. like, even though you're probably not consuming like propaganda that would make you an extremist. But it's... I don't know. I just think it's weird being obsessed with guns, personally.
1: Well, it, it goes into something that I'll, I'll bring up later, that, that a few things occurred to me as I was researching this one. So, 1985, his father dies, and it's said that is when his mental state started to unravel. We don't know why, or if it's probably hidden deep in many reports, but he lost this job, whether it was a caretaker or whatever it was, and he started pottering about fixing cars trading in antiques probably just junk to be honest he had no expertise in the area and doing odd labouring jobs he still lived at home he had no reason to leave his mother continued to fund his lifestyle and it also seemed the fantasies became shared by the two of them him and his mother he well he made his mother buy him a new car every two years despite the fact that they had money problems and were frequently in their overdrafts.
0: Is that new to him or new car? New to him. That's not so bad. It's not good, forcing your mother to have to buy you a car, but you can see the difference between a new car to him versus a new car, Yeah, but as in that year's version.
1: It could be newer and newer and newer as it went on.
0: And gradually increasing, 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 yeah. Mm.
1: Well, he also told stories how he was in the army or friends with people high up in the army. He had spun a story that he had befriended an army colonel who was buying him a Ferrari sports car. And before long, his mother was telling her friends that this same colonel was going to buy her a house as a gift.
0: If you're saying that a superior to you is buying you a car, that means you're having sex with him or he fucked you without you wanting him to and he's trying to cover something up. There's no, there's no other reason why. And why would you other than that? And I think aren't superiors in the military not supposed to like fraternise yeah. the people below them yes. because it creates a level of like yes. familiarity, which they don't want. Correct. So I don't get it.
1: It's not only familiarity, it's the fact that you've got undue in, undue influence over somebody that's subordinate to you. But it's also as well, his mother is saying that this imaginary colonel's going to buy her a house.
0: She's either a part of it or believes the son.
1: Or just again, she's embarrassed and she's just, making these things up on the spur to it bizarre michael persuaded the police to grant him a license to own more powerful firearms and on the 11th of december 1986 he was granted a firearms certificate covering the ownership of two pistols he later applied to have the certificate amended to cover a third pistol as he intended to sell one of the two he'd acquired previously which was the Smith & Wesson 38 calibre revolver, and then to buy two more. This was approved on the 30th of April 1987. On the 14th of July, he applied for another variation to cover two semi-automatic rifles, and that was approved on the 30th of July. They were unable to refuse him as he had no record of mental instability and no criminal record. However... The police stipulated that Michael had to install a suitable steel gun cabinet in which to safely lock away his weapons. No longer in that glass one.
0: I don't know if it's in the UK. It might even be in the UK or Australia. People have to come in and, like, police have to come in and investigate the house. Yeah. They have to do, like, um, references from other people to make sure that you're not, like, a complete nutter. But I don't get the point because you'd have your friends lie, wouldn't you? Mm. If you're doing that. But it's, yeah. it's like, another barrier for entry that should kind of happen. Same with you having things for cars. It's yeah. hard to get a car should be the same thing for a gun.
1: Well, right, I've got no idea what I'm going to say now. Well, I do know what I'm going to say, but it means nothing to me. But you might know. He legally owned the following guns. Zabala shotgun. Browning shotgun. I know Browning. A Beretta 9.2 FS semi-automatic 9mm pistol. A CZ also semi-automatic thirty-two caliber pistol and a Bernadelli twenty-two caliber pistol. He also had a Type 56 assault rifle, which was semi-automatic. The Type 56 was described as a Kalashnikov AK-47 copy, and it was identified as a Kalashnikov in the report from the Thames Valley Police afterwards. But it's also been called a Noric, Noricino Noric, Norico in some reports. He also had an M1 carbine, uh, and apparently this one was a rare Underwood model.
0: See if it's some like weird rarity thing. I can completely get behind collecting it because it's a collector's item. It's yeah. got history. It's cool as shit. Look, this is old. Right? It's, yeah. This motherfucker made from wood. And that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. But to you collecting all these pistols and shit, I don't know. I don't get it. it this brings you back briefly to something. From, you know that like Porn Stars? The thing where yes. people bring in like a thing. They, P-A-W-N. They, the best I can give you is, is £6.50 kind of thing. Yeah. A guy brought back a pistol that was old. Like really fucking old. Like 100 years plus. That had been like buried somewhere and he found it. And instead of Bringing it straight to like the porn people to see how much it was worth. He cleaned it and he so scrubbed oh. off the patina, so oh. it fucked it. And the guy was like, "Look, it'll not be funny, but bury it for 20 years again and hope it hope it comes back because he'd ruined it. he scrubbed it with an like iron wool or something."
1: Well, they say that with um, even like silver, you shouldn't clean silver.
0: That's you... old. Yeah.
1: yeah. Modern silver, yes, but old silver, no. You can't take the patina off it, as you say.
0: Uh, based on what you said there about all the guns, I have no fucking clue what they are. I've been yeah. playing a lot of Borderlands Three recently, and those could be guns from there. I don't really I understand the pistol and the caliber. Apart from that, I don't. It's a gun. No, no.
1: well, the, the Kalashnikov uh, copy. I understood that, but that was about it. Twelve thirty in the afternoon of the nineteenth of August, nineteen eighty-seven. Susan Godfrey, aged 35, had gone for a picnic in Savanake Forest, which is about seven miles away from Hungerford, with the two children, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Michael approached them with a gun raised and forced Susan to put the children in her car. He then marched to her into bushes at gunpoint and shot her 13 times in the back using the whole magazine of the Beretta pistol. Police were alerted to the scene by two children who were by the children. They approached a pensioner out for a walk and told her that a man in black had shot her mummy, shot her mummy. And I did wonder a four year old would know that.
0: But he would probably recognise the gunshot sounds just like movies, television. He probably recognized the sounds of a gun.
1: Michael drove his silver Vauxhall Astra GTE. Michael's mummy was indulgent if she paid for that let me tell you from the forest towards Hungerford and stopped at a petrol station three miles which is roughly five kilometres from the town after waiting for a motorcyclist to leave he starts to fill his car and then petrol containers then starts shooting at the cashier from the petrol pumps and he missed her he entered into the petrol station and again tried to shoot her at close range with his M1 carbine but the rifle's magazine had fallen out. They thought afterwards he'd accidentally released it, you know, pressed the wrong button kind of thing. He then left and continued towards Hungerford. At around 12.45, Michael was seen at his home in Hungerford. He loaded his car with all his weapons and attempted to drive away. But the car wouldn't start. He then fired four shots into the side of the car.
0: Why wouldn't the car start?
1: We don't know. It just wouldn't start. Astra GTEs could be a bit um, temperamental. Do you remember the ST when you got in it? You used to have to sit in it and turn the key, and then wait before you started the engine.
0: Do you mean the SLK? No, or the, or the ST. ST. Yeah. Did you?
1: Yeah, you used to have to sit and wait before you started it.
0: I thought it was something like when he was at the petrol station and he shot out the cashier. He didn't actually get any petrol. No, I, he didn't. I, I thought he fucked up and didn't put petrol or something. But no, yeah. okay.
1: Neighbours reported seeing him moving between the house and the car before he then went indoors and shot his dog. Michael then doused his home with the petrol he'd stolen earlier in the day when he shot the petrol station attendant. Back then, you couldn't pay at the pump, so all the reports said that he'd bought it are probably wrong. And he set his house alight. The fire subsequently destroyed three surrounding properties. Michael then removed the three shotguns from the boot of his car and shot and killed a husband and wife who were in the back garden of the house nearby. The wife was shot once in the head and the husband six times in the back. Michael walked towards the town's common, critically injuring two more people. A woman was shot once in the lower back as she watched Michael from the window of her living room and a 14-year-old girl was shot Four times in both legs as she stood outside her home. She later said that Michael smiled at her before crouching down and shooting. On the footpath towards the common, Michael encountered a family walking their dog. Upon seeing Michael with his weapons, the father raised his arms in a gesture of surrender, and his family climbed over a wall and ran to safety. Michael shot once at close range in the chest, killing him instantly. He fell to the ground, still clutching the lead of his dog, but he didn't shoot that dog. Looping back towards his house, Michael fired 23 rounds at a police officer who had just arrived at the scene in response to reports of gunfire in a police car. He was hit four times in his chest and crashed into a telephone pole. He died sitting in that patrol car. Michael next turned his weapons on a woman and her teenage daughter who just turned into the road. He fired 11 bullets from his semi-automatic with the bullets going through the bonnet of the car and hitting the daughter in her right thigh. Michael also shot through the windscreen, hitting the mother with glass and a bullet in the left shoulder. As Michael reloaded his weapons, the mother re- re- put the car in reverse and then shot off and drove to a local doctor's surgery parking outside. A bullet was subsequently found lodged at the base of the daughter's spine, surgeons deciding that the risk of paralysis was too great and the bullet was left in place. Michael is still stood in that street when another car turns into the road. Michael opened a fire with his Type 56, killing the driver with a single shot to the head and leaving the male passenger severely injured in his head and chest. The car crashed into the rear of the police car that Michael had just killed the driver of. The passenger of the second car, he he feigned death and hoped that Michael wouldn't come in for a closer look. Michael moved along and and then went into a neighbouring road, heading back towards his house, killing a man who was just stood there mowing his lawn. Further along the road, he wounded another man who had helped build Michael's gun display cabinet for him. He then shot at an ambulance which had just arrived, shattering the window and injuring a paramedic who managed to drive away. Michael shot at windows and at people who appeared on the street. Michael's mother, Dorothy, then drove into the road and was stood confronted. Her house was on fire. Her armed son some, arm, some was just off in the distance and there was dead and injured all over the road. The passenger, who was still slumped in that car that had run into the police officer's car, heard Dorothy open the door of the car that he was in and she was trying to get him out before she turned around and attempted to talk to Michael, who was walking towards her. Michael shot her dead as she raised her arms and pleaded with him not to shoot. Michael then wounded a woman who had stepped out of a house to shout at him for making noise. He then ran towards Hungerford Common again. On the Common, Michael went on to shoot and kill another male dog walker and shot at but missed a teenager as sped away on his bicycle. A local taxi driver slowed down his car as Michael crossed the road in front of him. Michael shot him with the Type 56 killing him. He then killed an elderly male driver and injured his wife, firing eight rounds into the car. The wife was hit in the chest and hand, but managed to get out and run. Michael shattered the windscreen of another vehicle, with the driver being hit twice in the neck and the upper torso, and crashed his van into a wall. He would later die of shock and hemorrhage from his neck wound, but his passenger suffered no serious injuries. At around one thirty. Michael firing, fired a single round at a passing car. This fatally wounded the driver. A passing soldier rushed to the car and attempted in vain to apply first aid, but the driver died in his arms. After this shooting, Michael then shot his way into a house and killed the elderly occupants. The man was killed instantly as he attempted to shield his wheelchair-bound wife with his own body. She died two days later from her injuries. He shot at another car, which crashed into a stationary car after the driver was hit in the neck. The soldier that had tried to save the other driver rushed over to help again, but that driver also died two days later in hospital. Michael then broke into the John O'Gaunt Community Technical College, the one he had attended unsuccessfully, attempted to qualify in something. It was closed and empty for the summer. Police surrounded the building and found a number of ground staff and a couple of children who had actually seen Michael enter, and they told the police where the shortcuts were, you know, don't go through this door, go round that way kind of thing. At 1640, they heard a gunshot within the school building and more officers were on the scene. The police first saw Michael at the school at 1726, shortly after he'd thrown one of the guns out the third window. Sorry, a third floor window. Apparently, that name, Nicarino, is what the AK 47 is known as, like I said. Ryan became engaged in a conversation within a, with a sergeant within the um, tactical firearms unit and claimed that he had a gun of his Beretta with him and a grenade. Michael was then shooting at the circling helicopters overhead. Obviously, there's helicopters there, and the police were attempting to coax him to come out of the school. They were doing all sorts of negotiations. And he kept asking about the condition of his mother. And upon hearing she she was dead, they didn't try and sugarcoat it, he said that it was a mistake. One of the statements Michael made towards the end of the negotiation was widely widely reported. If only my car had started. Hungerford must be a bit of a mess. I wish I'd stayed in bed. He also asked if they had found his dog, which he'd killed. Again, that makes no sense. Not that any of this does. He goes on to say, it's funny, I killed all those people, but I haven't got the guts to blow my own brains out. At 18.52, after a few minutes of silence, a muffled shot was heard from the school building. Michael was subsequently unresponsive to police. Shortly after 20 hundred hours, so eight o'clock, armed police entered a barricaded schoolroom to find Michael below the window, having shot himself in the right temple with the beretta. The police response on the day was a shit show. No denying it. They didn't realise that the incident in the Savonate Forest where that first victim was shot thirteen times, was connected to what was going off in Hungerford. And they also thought that Michael's house being on fire and the shootings there were, again, another isolated incident. So they ended up directing cars off down side roads, which actually put people directly in the line of fire of Michael. So they were funneling victims towards him completely accidentally. They didn't mean to do it. They were just trying to get them away from the fire. But there was a good reason why they were so badly prepared. Hungerford had not witnessed a murder since 1876 when two police officers, an inspector and a constable were murdered and it was due to this really low level of crime that the town only had two sergeants and 12 constables and on the morning of the 19th of August the duty cover for the section consisted of one sergeant, two patrol constables and one station duty officer. One of which was killed by Michael in his patrol car that he crashed when he was actually on the radio telling the operator he had been shot when he died. Now, a number of factors hampered the police response. The telephone exchange could not handle the number of 999 calls made by witnesses. The Thames Valley Firearms Squad was training 40 miles away. The police helicopter was in for repair, although it was eventually deployed. And only two phone lines were in operation at the local police station, which was undergoing renovation. Michael used the Beretta pistol, the Type 56 and the M1 rifles in the massacre. The CZ pistol was being repaired by a dealer at the time. Throughout his movements, Michael had also opened fire on a number of other people, some of whom were grazed or walking wounded. Many of these minor casualties were not counted in the eventual total. 17 people died that day, including Michael and Dorothy, his mother. He also wounded 15. A report on the incident was commissioned by the Home Secretary at the time and the Chief Constable of Thames Valley Police. The Firearms Amendment Act 1988 was passed, which banned semi-automatic and pump-action rifles Weapons with fire explosive ammunition, short shotguns with magazines and elevated pump action and self-loading rifles. It also restricted the use of shotguns with a capacity of more than three cartridges that is in the magazine plus the breach. Michael's collection of weapons had been legally licensed. I got real incelish vibes off this one. And I'd actually never thought about this before. He'd never had a girlfriend or anyone that ever admitted to going out with him.
0: Well, you fucking wouldn't after he's just gone full GTA on people. Literally, this is like a mission from Trevor from GTA. He, Does it? Yeah, he's, he's killing people. The police rush in because people have been killed. Then he kills the police and the ambulance come in because they fucking, they want to save people. You shoot them as well. And, before you, and then, no, it yeah, sounds like a GTA mission in like the worst way possible.
1: Was when did GTA come out then? Oh,
0: there's loads of them. There's like GTA Five now, but
1: yeah, I know. But this was 1987.
0: Oh, so... the video games would have been Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man back then. They weren't a thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he was getting married, and it was the working in the girls' school bit that sort of made me wonder. And you probably don't know this case, but I'm sure some listeners do. It reminded me of the Holly and Jessica case with the caretaker Ian Huntley. No cameras looking. Why, uh,
0: why would I know that? And yeah, you could say a name of a case we've done, and I wouldn't know it by name. If you described it, I'd know it, but I won't know it by name.
1: Yeah. So a doctor from Broadmoor Hospital and a consultant forensic psychiatrist.
0: I do agree with your insulin vibes, by the way. You do.
1: Oh, I'm glad to glad to hear that. I hadn't ever thought about it till I did the research.
0: I, I think it ties in with his relationship with his, with his mother. Mm-hmm. It, it gives off huge Norman Bates vibes to me. Yeah. Very weirdly, this. Guy's been kind of hamstrung as well as just enabled by his mum by constantly paying for things. And he probably resents her for some reason. He probably blames yeah. his close relationship with his mother for not being able to find women or whatever. Did he live, by, did he live with his parents or live by himself as this point? Don't No, he's he said.
1: always lived with them. You've got a picture of him as well. You tell me if that doesn't give you in vibes.
0: Hang on, let me find the picture of him. Um, he's not like unattractive though. I think he's got fucked up teeth, but I think that would have been common for British people in the 80s. He's not like...
1: He's 27 years old. I mean, he looks like a gamekeeper, doesn't he? And what?
0: there's nothing wrong with that. No. You but... need gamekeepers, I'm sure.
1: Yes, you do. But it, it, it just...
0: It, it, it doesn't stand out as anything weird looking. But he, no. if, he's, if he's been isolated because he's been like essentially bullied from school, he's got a weird relationship with his mum. His dad's abusive. And she, by some extension, her spoiling him might be the way of uh, apologising for enabling it and not being able to stop the dad. Exactly. Which yeah. I, I'm obviously not a psychologist, but that's not too much of a logical leap. To make to do that,
1: no, you're right,
0: and yeah, it just gives off this. Well, the he's a good fucking shot, though, annoyingly, isn't he? Yeah, and it... if and I and the police response from when they um, like cornered him and went into the school or whatever, wherever it was, it was, yeah, at it the was college, yeah, um, quicker response than the Uvalde police department, just saying.
1: Uh, well, no, they no, were there no, quite no. quick, no. they just didn't. We weren't allowed to do anything.
0: From the time when they got there, it was over an hour. So and by the time they got to the school, that they responded quicker than they did.
1: Well, yeah. Well, I just imagine everybody within a hundred mile radius was being paged to come into this one. So, as I said, the doctor from Broadmoor Hospital and a consultant forensic psychiatrist both said much later that they thought that Michael was schizophrenic and psychotic, stating he was most likely to be suffering from acute schizophrenia. He might have had a reason for doing what he did, but it was likely to be bizarre and peculiar to him. Yes. But I don't think, I, I don't quite understand where they got.
0: His weird delusions of grandeur, constantly lying, was pathological, making his mum do it. There can only be reports from people that have heard yeah. that from his mum. They're saying we to like corroborate. How do you say cooperate? Corroborate. That word, corroborate, corroborate. Oh, it's unusual that I could say well, no, a I, word you can't. I want to say corroborate, corroborate. corroborate. But, corroborate. You, but you say corroborate, the yeah, word. Fuck you, whatever, been... the saying, whatever the word is. People that are confirming that these things have happened. It's not a first account because they're, they're dead. So obviously we can't yes. hear it from them. It's just, you, you don't know how much his mum fed into it as well and putting what ideas into his head. Because if she's going along with it, then he's a victim of his environment being around his mum. You don't know if him go into these colleges and doing well he then doesn't want to succeed because then he'd leave from his mum and it's all he, weirdly he didn't tied do in well, though. no i know but that can kind of feed into it if, if he oh, did I see well he's saying. it's yeah. like if he um i worked with a woman who didn't want her son to go to uni because then he'd be like away from her which is weird like i get it, you miss your kids but you still want them to go out and succeed don't you because you had those opportunities you want your kids to do the same you'd hope yeah unless you're like weirdly baity aren't you norman Beatty.
1: you do get people like that though don't yeah. well you work with one of them so it just says yeah. it all i did wonder as well why he didn't join the army when he dropped out of college
0: could... uh, um there's there's a few reasons you can actually be too stupid to join the army because, i didn't think that
1: was actually possible
0: um if your iq is below 80 you can't join the um, united states army because you're deemed too thick to be able to have, um if someone gives you an instruction that you can't fulfill it properly
1: that's the US. and wonder what I, it is. It might,
0: might be the same here. You don't know if he's yeah. fit enough. He's passed at the basic entry exams. You don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, he could have even joined up at 25 when his dad died, if he was so enamored with the military.
0: I know they don't want to take people on after a certain age, because then it can take too long for them to teach up and then be able to put them out in places.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I, I thought maybe it was more likely he was fixated in what he thought and... I don't think he would have been able to cope with the discipline required.
0: And if he's just obsessed with guns, he might be like, yeehaw, I want to kill some brown people. And they kind of thought, that's a bad look. We can't have someone like that.
1: Mummy might not have wanted him to join. No, darling, don't. Yeah. Bad people might hurt you.
0: Because then why did he kill his mum? let see, he had some resentment and disdain towards when her. When he said
1: it was a mistake.
0: It wasn't, though, was it?
1: No, I don't think it was. I think it was almost...
0: He probably regretted doing it, but when he did it, he intended to do it.
1: Yeah. So what set him off that day? We'll never know. Was it his car not starting? Was Had he been planning on doing it as he'd already killed one woman and tried to kill that petrol station attendant?
0: Well, it was, as soon as he killed that one woman, it just, just kicked off from there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but if his car had started, where was he going in his car? That's where my questioning brain goes. Where was he going to go to carry on his massacre?
0: Somewhere heavily populated. Yeah, I mean, is there a nearby? I don't know the area. Is there a nearby large town, city? Marlborough's bigger
1: because it's got a hospital. Go, probably
0: going there. That's what if if I was in his shoes, that's I would have done. If you want to cause the most chaos, I mean, he's got like 18 guns. It, it's like GTA. He's got them stuffed up him and he's whipping them out left, right, <laughs> and center. Fuck <laughs> me. Like how many people did he kill? Seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. He's gone merciless on this. He's got like a 17 kill streak. It's mad.
1: Well... One small footnote to this. This was really interesting. I found out much, much much, further on after this. Under the firearms law at the time, as I said, there was no reason to decline Michael's applications. Two weeks later, that was approved by a PC Trevor Rain, Wayne, Wainwright of the Thames Valley Police. Michael would later use his gun to kill the officer's own parents who decided to visit him on a whim on the fateful day of the massacre. Michael ended up killing his father, and wounding this police officer's mother. And something that this police officer was told when he went into the office on his day off to help after it all blew up. And he said, it took me by complete surprise. The last thing I was thinking about was my parents coming to visit me. And he just prayed. There was a story in the paper the next day saying that the PC signed his father's own death warrant. And that broke him.
0: That's also not true. No. It's an argument that some people tried to say, When you get in a car, you consent to driving the car. You don't consent to then getting in the car accident. By this police officer allowing him to have the gun and signing it off, you're not consenting to him then killing people with it. There's a difference. There's a a gap in the logic. A equals B equals C, which means A equals C. But that C equals triangle exclamation mark. They're completely disjointed. There's no relationship.
1: But that accusation or that statement made in the press, as it would do to a lot of people, it made the police officer then his brain did, the
0: yeah you are and going to thought, do that you are going to think no that. but he
1: thought that he'd signed the death warrant of the rest of the people that got shot
0: yeah because you're going to feel that guilt but again it's like if you pass someone for a driving test and they then go on to fall asleep at and kill them you're not at fault for that yeah it's the actions of someone else there's so many steps in between this that happened
1: well that police officer decided to stay on in hungerford and although the press gave him hell the people of Hungerford supported him and he still lives there to this day.
0: Which is good, because yes. I, I thought you were going to say that he ended up um, video gaming himself. No. the is, is, is a PC term.
1: he's later said, I couldn't believe the love that they showed me and it made me determined that I would carry on. And that just goes to show what sometimes how good communities can actually be. If he didn't be. have that
0: supporting environment, then he would have like harmed himself essentially, wouldn't he? Yes.
1: In another strange twist, 2012... The arms dealer who legally sold Michael the assault rifle was jailed for three and a half years for trafficking in deadly surface-to-air missiles. He used
0: an... A off- SAM turret thing. <laughs> Hold on. Again, you- that's another kill-streaking card.
1: I'm going to give you a name in it. No, I'm not. I don't actually know the name of the the, gun, the missiles he used. He used an offshore company to, to ship scores of handheld infrared homing missiles from North Korea to Azerbaijan. He set up a firm in the name of his Vietnamese girlfriend in order to sell the weapons known as Man Pads. And he got, it was a £13 million deal.
0: Yeah. In these weird little um, NRA firearm convention things, you can buy fucking rocket launchers. Oh
1: yeah, I know. Them. Why but does yeah. a
0: civilian need one? It's, yeah. not, it's not to fight against the army. They've got nukes and drones and shit. You've got guns. You ain't got to do anything. Why do you need that?
1: I, I, I don't disagree, but at least, at least we have a bit. Talking about gun control, you and I have discussed this obviously off air. And whilst we do have a problem in the UK, I, don't, I think the gun control laws prevent the average person having easy access. You're never going to stop the criminals getting their hands on them. And for God's sake, you can get a 3D printer these days and produce a gun from that.
0: And if your argument is, uh, what's the point in having the laws because they're going to break it anyway? Okay, then why is the, why is murder illegal? Because the people are going to do it anyway. What's the point in having those laws? It's the exact same logic. Yeah. Criminals are going to commit the crimes with the guns that they're going to get legally or illegally. There's no point putting in the firearms laws. Okay, then if those criminals are going to kill people, there's no point in having the the laws that, that stop people from killing people. Which, if that's, if that's which the then argument, becomes anarchy. Yeah, and yeah. that's no. You, you no. Stop it. Stop being stupid.
1: Yeah. The pathologist who autopsied the victims from the massacre was hit with PTSD when he was flying over the town some 30 years later and really ended up in a very, very dark place. And there's there's a link to the article I put in the show notes. And I'm sure many others that suffered the same after they lived through it. It was literally flying over the town and he looked down, realized what he was looking at, and then his whole world just basically turned upside down.
0: If he's recognised what that looks like from above, you've got to think how many times did he see an aerial image of it?
1: Yeah, but it can be but, that but, one if, event that triggers it, can't that's
0: it? what I mean, but you've got to think if that's burned into his head, what that the aerial view looks like of that, of of the town. Yeah. Because they don't have had the sequence of events of where it happened.
1: Well, I didn't, I haven't used the street names in this episode specifically because... I would get confused. You'd get confused, <laughs> but also as well, you, if you don't know the roads, you're trying to visualise which way somebody's going. What there is, there is a map that has the um, route that he took and all the, the houses that he went to and the people that were killed. And what did you describe it as earlier? It's a zigzag.
0: You know when you see a constellation and they say that, that's Ursa Major or Orion. And, and you're, looking that's at the, and you're what? like, fuck off, is it? That looks, that's a bunch of stars randomly aligned. It's like that. It, it, it's Instead of it going like a circle or following a circular pattern going from point A to point B, it's like left, then zigzag really hard to the right, then up again then down again, and it's just bouncing all about. It's, it's like he's trying to... You can almost draw like a fucking pentagram with a pattern in like the order of him doing it because it makes no sense. You've not followed it. You're just bouncing about up and it down the street. It makes no sense to us. It, it made no sense to him. He killed people that was close yeah. to him. Like, yeah. He, just did, he just did it. Like it, it, in this order of the of the map that I can see, it goes one to seven in a cluster, then it goes down to uh, nine, uh, eight and nine, and then he goes back north again, kills 10 and 11, then goes west, Twelve, it goes all the way down again to Kilmore. So there's just like no, there's no logic to the way he's, he's going back on himself. He
1: went to the common twice, which I didn't understand either. And then he went back to it, towards his house, and his mum stood there going, "What the hell? My house is on fire!" And then he shoots her as well. So, and that is the conclusion of today's case. There are many documentaries and books if you wanted to dig deeper, and all the show notes contain what I found. But before we go, an update to a previous case we covered back in episode fourteen. Way, way, way back, the Robert family massacre. Do you remember that one, Cameron? No,
0: he's looking no, no, at the. Couple... Um, give me a description.
1: He killed eleven family members on Easter Sunday, nineteen
0: seventy-five. Yes, I remember. I remember that.
1: Yeah, well, he died at the beginning of uh, June in prison, aged eighty-eight. Wasn't it like a
0: farm thing involved with the area as well?
1: It, it was. It was. He. I his father used to he take. He like, mick-
0: yeah, they killed like aunts and like children. Yeah, they'd open the door, but an uncle, and he killed them. And, some, was, and, he hated and, like, his and one of them lived or something. And yeah. I rem- yeah, I remember it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, he's gone as well. Bits of it. Yeah. And finally, the victims of Michael Ryan, who should not be forgotten. Roland Mason. Sheila Mason. Kenneth Clements. PC Roger Barretton, Abdul Khan. George White. Dorothy Ryan. Francis Butler. Marcus Barnard. Douglas Rainwright. Eric Vardy. Sandra Hill. Victor Gibbs. Myrtle Gibbs Ian Playle Susan Godfrey
0: Obviously the longest Yes but that case was mad But what isn't mad Is a value you get From our Patreon <laughs> There you go I plugged it Big up Alright we'll see you next time Thanks for listening Find us on Twitter and Instagram Murder to be my podcast Our Patreons in the show notes below Give me lots of money Alright Peace
1: Bye